Okay, good morning. Welcome back. Today is Wednesday, June 15, 2022. And this is class 9 in the series Principles of Self-Healing. Uh, last week discussed extensively about uh, wisdom and uh, discernment and the importance of mind training, actually, in greater healing. Today may be the final class, uh, and it's more uh, reflections on some very much more abstruse or advanced aspects of final healing. And again, what does healing mean? Well, depends on who you talk to, but depends on how far the discussion goes, uh, particularly other than physical healing, it's mental, emotional, spiritual, uh, particularly in terms of seven chakra theory, it's the clearance of lower triad blockages by the development of the higher chakras and then balance and coordination. And so healing as making whole, making whole um, one's sense of self one's personal life expression uh, is the beginning. And so in Buddhism, there's no extended discussion of emotional healing uh, or balance, but rather uh, freedom from uh, harmful tendencies and the development of uh, beneficial qualities or bodhipakyadama, the factors of enlightenment um, in which development of kusala dhamma or uh, wholesome and helpful beneficial qualities kusala dhamma or qualities in this case are bodhipakya meaning tending towards enlightenment supportive where healing you know uh, where we where there is personal emotional psychological healing there will be good qualities the qualities of kindness or generosity or um, harmlessness and uh, caring for people, caring for self, and then um, honesty and uh, discernment and reasonability, uh, qualities of love wisdom. Uh, where there's still wounding, we commonly still manifest harmful tendencies. Um, and so the har the the harmful tendencies are associated with wounding unhealed healing of that goes to helpful qualities and that's the first level of healing which is the personal psychological emotional going on then there's the development of the higher qualities themselves love wisdom green blue indigo chakras four five six and then we have that balance between lower and higher not simply um being honest and being kind to oneself and knowing oneself well, to know yourself, accept yourself, and being stuck of, stuck, you know, not, no longer being stuck in defense mechanisms, splitting, projection, avoidance, defensiveness, all the other tendencies of um, being dishonest about oneself. Moving out of that, then there's just the balance of lower, higher, or focus on the physical emotional, social, relational, and focus on the inner and the spiritual and the transcendent. Uh, 
but beyond all that, <laughs> there's the healing uh, that goes to realization of true nature. Uh, and I had a dream a couple of nights ago that was very odd, and I want to use that as the basis for this discussion today. Uh, in in what could be called um, deep levels of mind healing. Now, there's not just deep self-healing, but there's deep mind healing. Deep mind healing is um, dealing with some very um, primal or primary um, uh, phenomena of consciousness that associates with distortion and the whole issue of a desire and thought and knowing. Um, and I, then I want to bring a reference from a movie called Defending Your Life, written by Albert Brooks with Meryl Streep. Very funny movie, but actually a lot of truth there regarding life review after death. And there's a very uh, tiny dialogue between the Albert Brooks his character and his uh, his lawyer, <laughs> his um, his representation in a uh, court of heaven in Judgment City, they called it, where he's going through his life in a life review and defending himself. Were you were you in more in a uh, morality in in the morality of being good to others because you really um, appreciate yourself? or being bad to others or harmful because you're stuck in fear and, and low self-value. And so there's the linkage between good qualities and bad qualities and wounding or healing. Uh, wounding, unhealed, retained wounding, uh, strong fear, low self-value particularly, um, patterns of anger undergird by sorrow, dejection, self-blame, uh, hopelessness or a sense of uh, self-judgment um, leads to harmful tendencies. Being dishonest, being selfish, being insensitive, dot, dot, dot. While the healing of the wounding is done by the development of love-wisdom and those qualities of love-wisdom, green-blue, fourth chakra, fifth chakra, is the basis of all uh, additional uh, kusala dhamma or uh, bodhipakya dhamma, uh, factors of enlightenment, wholesome tendencies that we ought to keep cultivating. And so he is talking to his lawyer, and um, I'll read that in a moment after I go through the first part for the dream. And this is um, recently in the last six months I've been having certain dreams that are very um, sort of the roots of personal psychology, um, the distortions associated with the very formation of a personal sense of self to have a personal psychology, to have issues. So there's personal issues of personal psychology or issues of a personal mind with its personal psychological patterns. But there's the basis of its formation. The basis of its formation itself is a distortion that has to be resolved. Like six, uh, six density, Ra talking about dropping identity and memory to go to seventh density, your law forever, to basically go beyond subjectivity, to beyond uh, 
the experience of unity, where unity is based on a certain duality. The experience of unity, we become light, they say, we no longer seek light, uh, is based on the duality of a subject that is identifying a perception. The perception that all is light and I is that I am that one light. I, we've become light. We now have changed and have now realized or come to this so-called new condition of being light or unity, law of one, sixth density. All of that is dualistic. <laughs> there's still a subjectivity, there's still a rising perception, there's still an object uh, that the subject is identifying with, called light, all light, we become light, and still a, an experience of time and space, we become, meaning now we are, but we weren't before, we were seeking light, now we become light, so there's still the dualism of time and space, and subject-object, and a rising perception, and phenomenal appearance, that's not the end of the path. Meanwhile, to go from six to seven, there's very fundamental unstructuring or resolution of the very formations of identity. And I've been having certain kind of dreams that were very, <laughs> very abstruse that I can't even remember very well. Um, and the dream a couple of nights ago was similar to that. Uh, it's sort of like uh, last lifetime, uh, deep mind. Uh, resolutions of the very basis of distortion, it seems to me. Mm, uh, using the time well to uh, explore, what, 2.1 or something? The distortions, blockages, the very subtle distortions at the beginning of subjectivity. So anyway, the content of the dream was twofold, where there were two things I was trying to do, both of which I couldn't do. One was I, I was looking through like a database trying to find a file. And I just couldn't find it. And I time limit time was limited, and I just couldn't find it, and I just couldn't find it, and I was looking, and I couldn't find it, and I sort of knew I wouldn't be able to find it. And the second part was I had to go out and put on my pants. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I looked for this pants, and it wasn't that one right, and there was another one, and it wasn't really right, and the time was up, and I couldn't find my pants. In both cases, there's um, a sort of... Um, non-resolvability and when I started to think about it it's sort of the issue of unmeetable obligations uh, obligations to find the file for something for some information or a knowing or put on the pants or meaning prepare to appear in the world or something or prepare to go out which is a make a make a movement and preparing for movement or something preparing for a transition in both cases, uh, it was not possible. These were obligations, but they were unmeetable. And for some reason, then, very quickly, on moving to waking up and getting out of bed, I thought of the word Noel. Now, I never think of that word, Noel. I'm not a Christmas caroler, and I don't know anyone named Noel, Noel or anything like that. So what's that? What is this? Well, again... I'll, I'll look into the etymology of that word Noel, which I had not known about, meaning I, I heard the term, you know, Noel, Noel, Christmas singing, or uh, Noel Cow Coward or something, but it's not a word that I, is <laughs> rarely, I don't know, the last, must have been years and years ago that word was ever in my mind. What's that? 
Well, that was some kind of a res that was like an answer to non-resolvability. Um, so, at the roots of mind, where there's the very establishing of subjectivity, and the very establishing of of thought that fashions desire. <laughs> I want something. I want healing. Um, I'm wounded. I, I, you know, the very roots by which we fashion a subjectivity and fashion an experience for that subjectivity, fashioning experience for the fashion subjectivity. Out of what? Out of I don't know what. <laughs> out of intelligent infinity or out of um, the pre-subjective condition. Uh-huh. So uh, unknowability, non-resolvability, irreconcilability, Something couldn't be reconciled. Some obligation couldn't be met. Something, some problem couldn't be resolved. Something that I needed to know couldn't be known. Um, making peace with no win. That's weird. And in some sense, there is no win or reconciliation or resolution or healing of a fundamental distortion. It's either being fashioned or not, like identity. You either you know, this is not finished until we leave sixth density or until one is really moving out of um, non-returner status in Buddhism, third stage awakening, or the yani experiencing his own death. It's after self-realization or the yani experiences his own death. The movement from, um, you know, atman or atman, atma, um, some experience of yana, from yana to satchit, from yana to satchit, yana as realization, gnosis, uh, self-realization, uh, awareness of unity, or become light, to satchit, which is really the chit of sat, or absolute truth, absolute reality awareness, where there is no subjectivity, there's nothing to be done, there's no desire, thus no resolution of desire and seeking. There's no object, therefore there's no knowing. <laughs> it's an awareness beyond uh, objective knowing, or knowing of objects. There's no knowing of objects because there's no subject that has an experience that, that needs to know. <laughs> uh -huh. And somehow Noel is in there, or Noel is a principle that helps resolve the, the irreconcilable, the unresolvable, the... Uh, Ba the, 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 you can't resolve a distortion. You can only be... Essentially, one has to be free of its basis. And that's Noel. What the heck is Noel? Well, looking all, uh, in Wiktionary on etymology, there are a half dozen pages that are very interesting. The first is the Wiktionary page on Noel. goes back from f to Middle English, from Old French, from Latin. Latin is Natalis which is the birth of the Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're talking about sacred birth. And that comes from this Latin natalis, natalis, natal. Natalis in Latin um, of giving birth or giving birth to the Lord comes, that natalis in Latin goes comes from natus. Natus is the perfect, going back further, looking at natus, N-A-T-U-S, perfect active principle of nascor, I am born. 
from the older natus, G-N-A-T-U-S, from Proto-Italic, from Proto-Indo-European, the old P-I-E, from notos, produced or given birth, to produce, to give birth, to beget, from gun, natus goes way back, <laughs> to nascor, given birth, gun, and we go back all the way to reconstructed P-I-E, Proto-Indo-European, to produce, to give birth, to beget. Uh, interesting. Um, it's related to all sorts of proto-Celtic, some all sorts of other words, but it's associated with um, a spiritual birth, uh, the birth of light. In some sense, the deepest level of mind that establishes uh, uh, the experience uh, of a subjective mind itself. <laughs> you can't resolve, you, you can't find light in the dark. You can only bring light into it. There's no light in the dark, but there's light available to illuminate, and then there's no more dark. Certain matters cannot be resolved or our resolutions are all temporary and limited and partial anyway. Essentially, the, the resolution of distortion is, is the ending of identity. <laughs> the ending of the maya of um, aham, uh, of a subjectivity. Where the very subjectivity gives rise to desire, gives rise to uh, seeking to know, seeking light seeking to grow, seeking peace, seeking fulfillment. Oh, 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 oh. Somebody's unmuted there. Uh, it's sort of like making peace with no win. The only way to make peace with no win is to realize that no win ends. The ending of no win is the resolution of no win. <laughs> That, that this all may be seem strange to you, or you maybe think I'm just babbling, or you may get a sense that the deeper levels of mind um, are the basis of thought and the basis of desire. And so the basis of subjectivity. Uh, in Buddhism, you know, there's the idea of the ten fetters, the first, uh, the tenth, which is in fact the first when we're involved, you know, coming down from <laughs> logos or intelligent infinity down into matter, down into subjectivity, the first of uh, the ten or number ten is uh, a video of ignorance. Basically, taking the impermanent as imp as permanent, taking insubstantial as substantial, taking stressful as uh, stressless. Uh, you are not living in a material universe. You're dancing thoughts. Ross said taking dancing thoughts to be living in a uh, to be a subjectivity a subjective me identity living in a material universe that's avidya the basic avidya 10th fetter the last fetter broken on the way out of the octave um, is the basis of conceit or subjectivity it's the basis of tana craving and then clinging and then attachment and then rebirth and all that it's the basis of desire the basis actually, of thinking itself. Uh, before there's desire, there's the capacity to think, to form thought, to, to generate thought form, to form mm, what? Light into thought? 
what, what the heck's happening? So you're not living in a material universe, you're dancing thoughts. Well, it's only at the logoic level that one would return to that awareness that um, all is dancing thought. Whose thought? The logoic thought. Dancing meaning vibrating in the mind of infinity. <laughs> infinity is temporarily fashioning thought and that appears as creation. Mm-hmm. And so the only, and that's why Noel was in my mind. <laughs> totally weird. I mean, very, very radical in the sense of radix and root. The root level issue, I think, here. Uh, birth of our Lord. <laughs> the birth of the Logos. Or the Logos being born into the dream of a material universe. The, the birth of the illusory sense of self, which itself is an irreconcilable condition. You can't resolve a self into Godhead or into Source without dropping it. There is no final well-being by desire. There's no final um, liberation um, in with the current with identity, with the current sense of identity. This identity is unfreeable. It has to be just simply moved. We would just simply have to drop it. Its roots have to be cut, or the arising of, you know, desire and and. Um, paradox and all the paradoxes resolved and the polarities revealed you know paradoxes revealed and polarities come to an end the law of one they're not at the end of the path they need to drop identity and memory which go together Ra said leaving sixth density but the 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 condition of um subjectivity itself is a no-win condition it it maya is is not real and thus, there's no um, there's no end to it, except it, it's just not real. There's no end to what's never been real. There's no freedom for one that's never been bound. You can't have freedom where there's never been bondage. This is very weird, this kind of thinking. So somehow that's related to Noel and related to um, unmeetable obligation, um, irreconcilability, uh, unresolvability, uh, something that's just not possible, the, the reality of no win. Where, there's, where you seek to win, you cannot win. You know, the only way to win is, the only way to win is not to play the game, right? That kind of thing. Winning is not achieved by winning. Winning is achieved by no longer um, having a game to be played or a desire to play the game and win. Winning is the freedom from the desire for winning. (laughs) Freedom from the experience of seeking to win is the freedom from game playing, is the freedom from losing. You can't lose if you don't play, but you can't win if you don't play. But you can only win in the bigger sense if you don't play, which means you you can only win if you don't try to win. You'll never lose if you don't play, but you actually can't win by winning. <laughs> There's no liberation in, in the illusory. There's only liberation from the illusory, if you know what I mean. And somehow that relates to Noel, to me, uh, the birth, the, the essential begat, begetting. Uh, the, the, the resolution of, irres- the, resolution of, the, uh, of the unresolvable um, is um, a closer union to the 
to the essence of the birth of, of birth, not physical birth, but the birth of light. Returning to the birth of light, one resolves the unresolvable or wins without playing the game. If you know what I mean. And so then, okay, we go to the movie Defending Your Life. If you're still uh, alive and kicking. So this scene between Albert Brooks and uh, Bob Diamond. Albert Brooks is AB. Bob Diamond is BD. Like uh, bondage and domination. And he's a big brain and he calls Albert Brooks a little brain. And he's very conceited. It's the um, Rip Torn character or somebody like that. Very cute in dialogue. And so what happens is he's gone away for a couple of days, the lawyer, comes back. Uh, just a moment, I have a sip of tea. He goes away for a couple of days, he comes back. The Albert Brooks character, Albert Brooks, says, Where were you? I'm just curious. And Bob Diamond says, You wouldn't understand. Albert Brooks says, Don't treat me like a moron. Try me. And Bob Diamond says, Well, I was trapped near the inner circle of thought. And Albert Brooks says, I don't understand. Bob Diamond says, I told you. So, what? Trapped near the inner circle of thought. The very existence of this inner circle of thought, which is illusory and insubstantial, is a trap. Thought is a trap. <laughs> Because thought presumes the, the, the production of the material universe, you're not living in a material universe, you're dancing thoughts. Whose thought? Logoic thought. What is it? It's a dream. That's Maya. So while I don't think that the screenplay writer, which I, who I think is Albert Brooks, um, I don't know if he had a, you know, uh, <laughs> epistemological, um, you know, genius in writing this line, the, the genius of knowing the nature of knowing, or knowing the the irres the the un the the unresolvability of the paradox of knowing, which goes to desire, of course, knowing and desire, subjectivity and thinking, which is a fashioning for knowing, and desire, which is a seeking, those are all no-win conditions. They're all illusory. There's no winning in the illusory. There's just getting out of the illusory. Or there's no final, ultimate winning. There's temporary winning, yes. So there's no final um, release or freedom in the illusory. There's only uh, the final release and freedom from the illusory. And so he says, I, and so I don't know Albert Brooks's, uh, you know, this sort of, super high-level, metaphysical, epistemological uh, thinker here. But uh, some commonly uh, humans channel or stuff comes through human mind that the, the human individual doesn't understand. It happens all the time. And so I'm not sure if he did or I'm just making this up. But this is what I see here, that this is a very profound statement, that while Albert Brooks is looking at his life to see how he met certain challenges where he'd either fall back into fear-based low self-value and a sort of um, self-sabotage 
or rise to the occasion in confidence and uh, mag- magnanimity and be helpful and goodly to people. So while he was looking at that, <laughs> the axis between low self-value and fear versus um, self-trust and magnanimity, Bob Diamond is looking at the issue or, or resolving the trap of the inner circle of thought. So the inner circle of thought is out distinct from the outer circle of thought, if we want to look at it this way. One way to look at it is that there's an inner circle to thought, there's an outer circle to thought, or there's an inner and outer layer to the f- phenomenon of thought. Uh, you can say that the inner circle of mind is associated with the formation of thought. So there's the inner circle of mind, then there's the inner circle of thought, back to the root, the, the fundamentals by which thought is generated. I'd say that that's the inner circle of thought, although you could imagine it anyway. You can say it's just deep thought. Uh, but I would look at this as... Um, closer to the root by wit, the root from which thought arises. Thought, fourth skanda, sankara, fashioning, fabrication, fermentation, volitional compound, thought form, uh, words, uh, synonyms for the translations of the word sankara, samskara, that is associated with thought. It's fabricated, it's fashioned, it's compounded, there's volition, there's desire. So thought intrinsically carries desire, meaning there's the desire to know, at least that. (laughs) Uh, Thought as a response to phenomena which we seek to know. Why do we think anyway, right? I mean, some people can't stop thinking, but that's the monkey mind. But essentially, thought is a response to a perception of phenomena non-comprehended, right? It's an appellation or a labeling of phenomena or experience to make designation. It's a designator, right? Designator. So now we're talking about the roots of mind, (laughs) Uh, where there's actually the generation of thought form as a response to... um, the desire, presumably, it seems to me, the desire to comprehend um, an incomprehensible. But illusion is incomprehensible by its very nature. You can only comprehend illusion as illusion. Any comprehension is further illusion, actually. So all the five skandhas are considered, you know, uh, anichanata, impermanent, insubstantial, and in some sense not real. Not real in the sense if only the eternal is real, uh, because the impermanent is not only ever-changing, the, that which appears to be ever-changing is also ever-changing. So when something's ever-changing, it's all always changing or in flux. If something, if there, there, is there a thing that's not in flux or is there, is there a thing in flux? It's flux in flux <laughs> that we call a thing that's changing. So there's flux and, and phenomenal flux that changes. We call that a thing that's changing, and we say that that thing is insubstantial. But there's no thing there. There's just insubstantiality and flux. Mm-hmm. That's anichanata. 
uh, and that's sunya, and that's the void, but that's the plenum. That's dancing thought, <laughs> dancing satchit, in a sense, in the forms of uh, light. Uh, there's no peace to that. There's no resolution to that. You're either there or you're not there. You either know it as a dream or you're uh, living the dream. Living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. There's no waking up when you're dreaming. There's only ending dream. There's no final resolution in the dream to the dream other than waking up and no longer dreaming. Something like that. And I think Bob Diamond, <laughs> you know, Albert Brooks, bless his heart, is somehow looking at um, or, or referencing the very trap of, of thought formation itself. The trap that all beings or beingness or light or Godhead or the apparent trap, <laughs> the illusory trap of um, uh, thought generation. That, that the inner circle of thought is um, the, the basis by which thought arises. The very need that calls forth, the, the very desire or craving that calls forth thinking is a trap. Um, and either you're there or you're not there. And he wasn't yet finished with that, right? So he's trying to work his way out of sixth density, even though he's on the upper astral uh, helping him, helping Albert Brooks with his life review. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> and so the inner circle of thought is a trap because it we be, not only do we believe it's substantial and it isn't but we're seeking some kind of resolution of the unresolvable or some kind of reconciliation of a dream of an illusion <laughs> there's no resolution of a dream other than waking up and no longer dreaming something like that and to me, that's what the Noel was about as the answer to um, uh, being in no win. Uh, unknowability, non-resolvability, irreconcilability, uh, unmeetable obligation, something that must be done that cannot be done. It, I want it, it can't be done. It's not simply desire unfulfilled. It's unfulfillability, it seemed to me. Because it wasn't just you know, something I wanted, like I think about what, some piece of knowledge I want and I can't understand it. Yeah, that's true. I have some of that in life. And some, you know, what am I going to wear today? Oh, but I don't have that problem. I <laughs> wear the same types of pants all the time and it's not an issue. And, you know, I have enough knowledge that I don't, I'm not, you know, deeply perplexed by confusion or something. I also realize the illusory nature of knowing. So, that that puts a damper on the pain of not knowing is to know that knowing itself is illusory because it's based on a f illusory subjectivity it's sort of like seeking to know you cannot know but realizing what the awareness beyond a self that seeks to know um one knows without seeking knowing or there is knowing without an, without subject object anyway <laughs> this is the end of healing. <laughs> that, that's where healing goes, in some sense, is to the limit of, of knowing. Um, the very arising of desire, the very arising of subjectivity that has desire, that seeks to resolve desire by thought and knowing. 
finishing with all that is finishing with healing. And that's finishing with the octave. It's finishing with consciousness. Ending, finishing the drama of consciousness. Um, at some level, like Gautama on the last night, sitting there working through, sitting through annihilatory dread, the dread associated with the annihilation of the empty or illusory sense of self or subjectivity. And this is sort of um, the unattainability of final fulfillment of desire by mind or with subjectivity. That essentially mm, the only way to win is not to play the game, <laughs> as, uh, as we see in the movie War Games. Just like that. Um, living in a, you're not living in a material universe, therefore seeking some kind of uh, terminal, permanent fulfillment of desire is not possible. Or even the fulfillment of obligations or meeting obligations. In a temporary way, partially, sure, we can, of course, and it's important. Do your danda. But in some bigger way, um, you know, the work is ended with the realization that with with the realization that there's no work that never that needed to be done. There's a saying in Buddhism, the way to save the Mahayana Buddhism, but Bodhisattva, the way to save all beings, or in the save in the salvation of all beings, the Bodhisattva realizes there never were any beings that needed to be saved. So saving all beings doesn't mean, you know, giving a helping hand to uh, uh, trillions and uh, <laughs> uncountable uh, lock of uh, entities. It actually is this realization that there are no beings uh, bound to be saved. And that's back to uh, some early Vedanta teaching. So, um, I think that's probably where I'll end the discussion of healing. <laughs> well, on uh, perhaps what could be issues of final mind healing, the healing um, associated with the very belief that there is one to be healed and the very seeking to heal itself is a wounding that needs to be healed or in the final healing, as far as I know, I'm not there, but I can imagine or I, it seems uh, this, the final healing is, this, is associated with a realization that there's never been any wounding to be healed. Uh, your dancing thoughts, there's only been dancing thought. It's just a play. It's just a dream. But that is, is not any avoidance of pain. There's no playing games here. There's no um, avoiding any kind of bitterness or emotional pain. There's just some deep sense that uh, th there's, there's no freedom in a dream. There's only freedom from a dream. There's no final release in the dream, but only from the dream. And within the dream, because it's a dream taken as real, um, essentially trying to find a final peace or well-being is a no-win situation. There's, it, it's an unmeetable obligation. It's an irreconcilable um, to, to reconcile in a dream. There's, there's only the end of the dream. Something like that, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So uh, Bob Diamond, uh, at some point, will no longer be trapped in the inner circle of thought. <clears throat> and then uh, 
<laughs> he won't be uh, an advocate in life review either. But that's it for today. And that probably will be where I end the um, series on self, principles of self-healing here. Um, freeing, freeing oneself, hopefully, from the inner circle of thought. So, uh, I hope this was useful. I hope it's inspiring. And um, we'll see what I do. Maybe take a break next week or pick up some selected topic. In any case, I hope that was helpful. I hope you're well. Take good care of yourselves, and good night. <laughs>